Today on the Reading Magazine podcast, we have Giovanni Bedoya. Hey, hey. He is an entrepreneur, uh, host, uh, well, founder of the Wednesday Diversity Mixers mm-hmm. uh, that have been held for, what, eight years now in Reading? Yeah, May. Uh, yeah, in the yeah. greater Reading area, and uh, also has a DJing business as yep. well. Yep. Uh, more about him uh, after we talk a little bit about, a little bit about our sponsors, uh, Kids Peace, Foster Care, and Community Programs uh, in Reading offer uh, foster care and child care for all ages in Reading. Uh, visit fostercare.com slash Reading. The Kutztown Folk Festival is hosting a job fair April 9th at 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Hampton Inn and Suites in Kutztown. Uh, visit kutztownfestival.com slash employment if you're interested in working with them uh, for their event this summer. And uh, also, if you're looking for a personal injury lawyer, um, talk to our friend uh, Ken Millman. He's located in Why Missing, offers uh, free consultations, and has uh, 20 years experience. You can call 484-869-2113. Giovanni. Awesome. <laughs> Jason. How's it going? Great, man. I'm uh, excited to be here. Uh, it's it's uh, been watching what you're doing, and it's awesome to see you grow. Oh, thanks. Um, so, yeah, so here we are. Yeah, so tell me, who is Giovanni? Man, so I don't think enough, uh, there's enough time in a day to explain everything, but mm-hmm. well, give us the, uh, the yeah, the short version is uh, you know, uh, hey, I'm I, I a serial entrepreneur. Okay. Um, who I think that explains. Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a pretty accurate description. Mm-hmm. I started uh, my first business when I was 20. Okay. Um, actually, I had a barbershop uh, back in the day. Um, 20, fast forward 20 years later, um, you know, back then I didn't know how to run a business. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what led me down this path. Uh, I, I graduated high school, son of immigrant parents. Uh, school wasn't um, uh, something we talked about like after high school. Um, I didn't see myself wanting to go to college. Okay. Um, and then when I attempted it, it just didn't work out. I didn't have access to resources. I didn't know what financial aid was, you know, all that, the typical... The, un- the typical unfortunate immigrant story where my parents didn't know any better. My mom had a third grade education. My dad had eighth grade education level. So they were re- very limited. My mom mm-hmm. helped. My, my mom was the oldest of all of the kids. So she raised 13 other kids. Um, you know, so it's like it's a different dynamic. It's a different world. So uh, here in the U.S., obviously, things are a little different when you're growing up. In high mm-hmm. school, you start talking about college and future plans. Um Versus where, you know, they're coming from, it's basically survival. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are we going to do to get our next, you know, meal kind of thing? So uh, I actually wasn't sure what to do. So I ended up visiting a vote tech in high school because I was tired of high school and uh, and I didn't want to go either. (laughs) Uh, Again, just unguided. Unfortunately, that's just the situation I was in. Uh, But I always had hobbies during my childhood. One of them was cutting hair, so I hmm. picked up clippers because where I grew up that, and most places that, that are like inner city environments, you, you do things that uh, that are like that. Like mm-hmm. you go to barber shops. You, oh, where'd you grow up again? Uh, in North Jersey, in okay. West New York, New Jersey. Uh, West New York, New Jersey, yeah. which is, I know it throws <laughs> people off, but it's literally on the, on the other side of the Lincoln Tunnel there where the, along the river. Okay. So we're right along the, the cliffs there. Uh, but yeah, so like I picked it up. I, I was just messing around with it. Did it uh, with my dad, my brother. They were kind of like my guinea pigs. Learned how to cut hair on my own, um, and then I just did it throughout high school as one of my one of my side hustles. Okay. Um, and the other thing I've always done was DJing. So uh, I always loved music and and just enjoyed everything about it. So. You know, at like 13, 14, I'm, I DJed our school dance and like I was cutting hair on the side for like five bucks uh, because we didn't have, you know, I, I didn't have those things that, that people wanted or had or mm-hmm. the cool sneakers or the clothing and fitting in. Um, so I had to work for it. Right. So I, I worked at a pizza shop twice a week uh, for a couple of bucks just to clean it. Mm-hmm. And then I would cut hair every once in a while and, and occasionally do a party. Okay. So um did that growing up and then when i got into high school when we moved to pennsylvania which was an entire culture shock i we mm-hmm. my family decided to shift gears things weren't looking too good out there 
Uh, life was expensive, dangerous. Uh, it was unpredictable almost. Um, and I was the oldest of three. And at that point, I started high school out there. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, this is this is probably not the best place for my brother and sister uh, at, at, you know, 14 years old already thinking that way. Um, but you grow up quick in that environment. Mm -hmm. So so we ended up moving out here because we uh, have some family friends. My mom has a childhood friend and someone she worked with back in Colombia, South America. Um, and we linked up and we'd always visit New Holland and Lancaster County uh, with in the summertime. Okay. And uh, and Burks, we'd come to the outlets back then. I mean, if you guys remember that. Um, so, yeah, so so we'd visit. We loved it. We thought it was so peaceful. Obviously, the, the cost of living was very <laughs> different. I mean, you, you pull up to your place, you actually have a parking spot or a driveway, oh, which yeah. is just not normal. <laughs> Uh, just little things like that. And, you know, it was safe. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, but little did I know. I mean, it was not that it wasn't safe, but it was just a major culture shock. It was very hard on me. Uh, it took a toll. I, I didn't know what racism was until I moved to New Holland mm. and, uh, and and until I went to Garden Spot, where I went from a high school where there were very few white people mm -hmm. to then being in a school where I was one of like. 10 minorities in the entire high school mm. and some of them were already kids that were adopted by like Mennonite families oh, okay. so they grew up not even yeah. knowing the culture they came from so that was difficult um, so yeah so that was a tough process but it taught me how to learn and how to accept uh, and, and understand what real cultural diversity and inclusion was mm. uh, by by seeing the other side of it right because I was one side until I was 14 15 and then came to the other side where, like, I'm the minority. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it was to be a minority. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what started building this character, I would say. <laughs> uh, and then that's when I uh, graduated high school because I went to Votech and I visited just – I actually went to uh, check out the electronics program because okay. I was into, like, hands-on electronics. Um, and I happened to see a cosmetology class, and the teacher's like, I was like, hey, do you guys offer barber school? And they're like, no, we don't do that. That's just not a thing. We just do cosmetology. And then when I got into a conversation with her, um, she explained all the, the benefits of getting a cosmetology license as a barber because you, at that time, because they don't do this anymore, but the state required you, if you had a barber shop, you would have to then go to school for an additional 200 hours to get a manager's license. Oh, okay. So then you'd have to have that in order to run a shop if you wanted employees. Oh. And that was the idea. I wanted to open a shop. I wanted to have people working and just, you know, a cool environment. Um, so I decided to go and do it. And I actually went to cosmetology school, which a lot of people don't know that. It's a little secret about yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, I got my actual license in cosmetology. Um, and then I opened, uh, well, it technically wasn't a barbershop cause you couldn't label it a barbershop, but it was a barbershop, right? So, uh, <laughs> the first minority owned business in New Holland on main okay. street 20 years ago. Um, that was exciting, but I also didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to run a business. I just knew how to do the skill. I knew right. how to cut hair. Uh, and at that time, business was booming because I was the only bilingual barber outside of the city of Lancaster. Okay. Yeah. So like Ephrata, New Holland, I'd get people from Leola, like all these outskirts and outside of Burks as well, like mm -hmm. Shillington and some of these other areas. Um, so people would come down and see me and I'd always be busy and I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't managing right. I didn't have a great financial understanding of mm -hmm. how to run a business properly. Um, when I went to access resources, uh, some of them we were like, you're 20. What, what are you going to do? How are you going to run a business? Why are you going to open a shop? Mm. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Um, so it was unfortunate because I didn't have many resources. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, learned the hard way. And, and now as I mentor and, and consult for other businesses, I advise not to get into loans right away to start a business. Don't start with a credit card. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I started, I put about almost 10 grand into a credit card with renovations and equipment. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, at 24% interest, you yeah, can imagine right. <laughs> how the rest goes, right? Right. Um, so I, I found myself maybe about a year or two in, uh, and I was already like choking in debt mm -hmm. because of the because uh, of the credit cards. And of course, I had to make a living and, and you know, it was just it was tough. So I started working a night shift job. 
So I started pulling way too. I, I was burning on both ends, right? So I was working during the day, and then I would work night shift. Actually, at a rehab, I was working as a translator intake person, uh, house manager is what they called them back then. Um, so that's kind of what got me into this like mode of, well, I didn't know how to run a business. Let me get into something where I could learn how to manage a business. Mm -hmm. So I got into retail management, and I worked in some retail stores and Target, and I was a like, team lead there, and started just kind of watching, and I analyzed what everyone did and how they ran their business. Uh, and I actually, at Target, I was recruited to, to get into banking. Um, yeah, and again, I never would have thought any <laughs> right, of this. Right. Yeah, so I, I was uh, there, and someone was like, hey, you're great with people. You should come work at this bank. They're hiring. Actually, what it was, it was a PNC bank that was uh, inside of a supermarket. Oh, okay, yeah. And then their focus was mainly to just solicit the customers that were there mm -hmm. and talk to them, you know, talk to them about opening accounts and selling, you know, loans and things like that. So, um, so I got into that and did really well and worked my way up. Uh, and then, you know, went through a bunch of different banks because at that time was when uh, there was a lot of buyouts and acquisitions okay, yeah. uh, of banking, you know, that, that whole mess. Um, so I had to live through that, of course, and, and was fortunate enough that I was able to work my way up to eventually when I got into management at a bank. Hmm. And like, you know, here I am, this kid with no college education now as uh, part of the management team mm -hmm. uh, for a major bank. <laughs> It was it's it, it was one of the biggest banks around. And what it still is. Uh, I was what twenty six, twenty seven, oh, maybe. Okay, so not. Uh, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a few years of working and all mm -hmm. that, um, and and that's how eventually I got into the whole banking thing, um, and then did pretty well there. Uh, ran a pretty busy ba uh, branch in in Lancaster, and then all of a sudden this opportunity popped up uh, to get out of retail banking because I, I hated it at the time. <laughs> It was unfor It was during some very unfortunate times that now the institution has paid the price for, uh, but I, I just was not happy with some of the ethics and some of the practices. Oh, okay. Um, uh, you know that are very publicly known now. If you just do a little research, you'll find out who it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but um, I saw an opportunity to come down here to Reading, to downtown, and work uh, in the home equity department. So that was an opportunity for me to expand my resume because I. My, my goal was always to build a strong resume and just work my way up. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I did. And then eventually I, I got the retail side pretty, pretty locked down. So I wanted to try the back office stuff. So I actually went into home equity loan underwriting. Um, little did I know it was like just not for me. Uh, underwriting takes a different type of personality, and not I need, for those who don't know, yeah, get into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so underwriting, you're, you're your decision, you're basically the decision maker on a loan. Okay. So like, Jason is at the store, at the branch, or, or out there, he sells the loan to the client. Uh, you then send me all the paperwork and info, and I'm just crunching numbers and getting data, and 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 it was just very, you're glued to your desk. Mm -hmm. There's no interaction. And and so and exciting. yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. And I didn't know this at the time right. because since then I've taken like self assessments. I've had some leadership courses, and I've been able to understand why I was miserable there because mm -hmm. I was miserable. I hated it. Uh, but what I did do during those times is I started to get to know the community of Reading of Berks, and uh, you know it started with uh, an old friend that. He was like, hey, uh, my manager and I, we run this like Latin night happy hour thing at what used to be the Crown Plaza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, you should come over here. It's a great networking opportunity. You could talk to people. You can meet our manager. Well, it turns out that manager was Craig Poole. And I know everyone knows him. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm throwing that name out there. <laughs> and uh, and the friend was Daniel. So from Barrio Alegria. And mm -hmm. I'm sure people recognize him, too. Um, and then there was another person that was influential on, on my neck networking and connections, which was Margarita Caicedo. Uh, at the time, she was working for RAC. She's a local uh, Colombian uh, leader, which, you know, we're Colombian, South America, and, and we're minorities within minorities because Reading is mostly Puerto Rican, Dominican. Right. Uh, and, and that's what some people just kind of think of when they see minority or, or hear Latino. That is just like Mexican, Puerto Rico, you know, mm -hmm. Dominican Republic. But there's like a bunch of other South American countries that are <laughs> not very represented. Uh, so so she was part of that. And then 
as I got to know Craig and I got to know Daniel and I got to know some other people, I'm like, hey, I have this idea of, of hosting a Colombian Independence Festival because I had always been involved in that in Lancaster County. Okay. But I saw that Burks had a lot of Colombians and had a lot of support from uh, different organizations. And I saw a lot of community-driven uh, groups. Mm -hmm. So that's when it started. And then I also saw a different need. I noticed there were lots of Latinos in Reading. I'm like, wait a minute. This is like a majority Latino city, but yet there is no representation of Latinos in anything. And I, and, and, I, and I had a problem with that. It was very few, very few, very little here and there that were involved in our community, right? Um, so, so I saw a need. I'm like, wait, where are all these business owners gathering? Where are they talking? Where are they talking shop, getting to know each other, exchanging business? Um, and I did not see that. There was some networking for Latino businesses before I had come to Reading, uh, but that had stopped. It fizzled out because it's okay. hard. You know, you have to, you have to stay consistent, and and that's mm -hmm. something I noticed. Many people just were not consistent, mm -hmm. uh, and were selfish, and were looking to fill egos, and that to me is what deters the the mission, right? Of of trying to just unite and connect. Um, so I'm like, hey, let's try this. I talked to uh, Johanny Mikasa Sukasa. Uh, lots of familiar names because all these people were very important in, in the uh, in the foundation of what I've been able to build in mm -hmm. Berks County. Um, I said, Johanny, I want to try a networking event. Can we use your restaurant? Um, and she was like, yeah, let's do it. So I went in because I had an influence in Lancaster County uh, that did networking events. So shout mm -hmm. out to Norman. Uh, every people might know him as well. Uh, locally in Lancaster, the, did networking events, successful, lots of people, lots of great connections. So that motivated me to try it here. Mm. And I said, Norman, let's try this in Reading. Um, he wasn't at the time uh, into this market because he wasn't super familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So he's like, go ahead, you do your thing out there. I'll do it in Lancaster. And then that's the, the rest is history. We had a networking event at, at Mikasa Sukasa. And that was eight years and ago. And that was now. eight years ago in May, wow. that it, which is insane. Oh, in May. Okay. Yeah, so, May yeah. May will be five. Uh, May 5th, I think, was the actual anniversary of it. Um, but, yeah, it, it would have been. It, it's eight years ago. And we had maybe 10 people show up, mm -hmm. maybe 15. I, I mean, I, I'm, it wasn't a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the folks that went that day still continue to support, which is great. And I love them for that. Uh, but I was like, man, this is tough. I don't think anybody's going to come to this. This might be a waste of my time because, you know, at the time there, there was no one paying for it. I was coughing yeah, it up. <laughs> I was like, hey, would you mind hosting a networking event? And, you know, can you provide the, the appetizers and drinks? And, you know, and I'll just try and get people here. Um, <clears throat> but then fast forward, you know, now we average over 100 people per event. Uh, you know, some are a little less, but some are a lot more. So it all depends on the type of event we do. But the idea of the mixers, of the diversity mixers, was to to connect local community folks, uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs, big corporate, little guy business type thing, and, mm -hmm. and get everyone together. And let's just talk shop. Let's connect. Let's build on this. Um, and I actually think about seven years ago, that's when I met a gentleman uh, who had this idea of, uh, of, a, of a magazine <laughs> called, seven. yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it was, was about it was seven, six, or, six or seven. Yeah, it was something yes, like that. Seven. Yeah. But I remember, you know, you coming down, by the way, Jason is the guy that I'm talking about. Um, so this dude's been part of the, this group for many years from almost the beginning. Uh, and just love how you have grown your business. Oh, thanks. And that and yeah. that was the ultimate goal, to see people like yourself mm -hmm. and people like many others that are out there grow and, and succeed and, and expand and create jobs and create some economic development and economic uh, movement mm -hmm. in, in Berks and Reading. And that's what it, and that's what the focus of this group is, is uh, to really... Just about to ask you. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we yeah. focus on. We... Mm -hmm. Uh, we always do this networking group at uh, a different location. It's always at a different small business, mm -hmm. uh, usually small business, but we outgrew the small business. So we've tried it. And like, like I remember we had a, a, a local multi-service organization here 
um, uh, Colombo Americano, and uh, shout to Elizabeth. She's also a very uh, big supporter. <laughs> we had it in her office space, and oh my goodness, it was so packed. We had to have people outside. Yeah, I, I know there's there's been quite a few. Yeah, there's, and there's some where we just and, end up being outside. So the party goes to the sidewalk uh-huh. and the hallways, uh, everywhere. And, and I love it. Um, and there's never really an agenda. People didn't even know, by the way, that I do have a side business, another DJ of DJ business. Mm-hmm. Many people didn't even know that. So just recently when I started finally putting it out there, because um, I never wanted to make it about me. I never wanted it to, to be selfish about it. Mm-hmm. I've seen many other networking groups and just organizations that make it about that person and, and, and it becomes a selfish like agenda. Mm-hmm. And never did I want it to be that way. I wanted it to be about everyone else. Well, what so, I've seen yeah. you do a little bit different than, yeah. I guess, other networking groups, although there's not tons to compare yeah. with either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you really focused on more, not the education side, but really showing yeah. people kind of how to go through yeah. a networking event. Yeah. I, I know yours, it wasn't just put everyone in a room and, you know, yeah. hey, every, you know, because yeah. everyone groups in people they know and yep. everything. That's exactly you it. Know, you'd break people out and basically say, reach out to people yep. who you don't know, yep. you know, give them a pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you? Yeah. I, one yeah. of the one things that I, I remember, you know, always was, you know, you reminding people that, you know, what value can you give them yeah. first? Yep. Don't yep. just tell them about your sales pitch, exactly. your elevator pitch and yep. say, here's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, you know, are you interested? Yeah. yeah, yeah, tell, yeah. How can you yeah. help them yep. first? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and that's yeah. different than it is. Uh, and so very. You brought a yep. different perspective to yeah. that. But I don't think uh, in other networking groups mm-hmm. it was just mostly kind of like, "Hey, we're doing networking. Yep. Everyone's in a Let's room talk together. business. What can we do for each other? Right. That's and, it. And, and that was yeah, it. yeah. You know. Yeah. No, we we definitely this. So uh, I use my culture as well, and mm-hmm. that's another thing that uh, when when I got into the Anglo world, which is mm-hmm. the corporate world, unfortunately, that it's just let you know, there's not many people like me. Mm-hmm. So I don't I didn't have many uh, mentors or supporters in in my field growing into the banking or whatever else I've been doing, because I'm usually the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have so I, I put myself in that situation and think about it as okay, what if I'm just some dude out here or female or business owner or community leader and and I want to get to know some people but I don't know how to network I don't know anything about that I'm uncomfortable I don't want to talk to strangers so what would I do in that situation or how can someone help me Mm -hmm. and that's what I think about when someone comes in I always find out if they're new then I give them a little highlight and give them a little shout out so people know they're new Mm -hmm. so veterans like yourselves know right away like okay that's not just only fresh meat because that's what some people do in networking events, right? They only look for the new people because they want to do the sales pitch and then I'm out. But it's about building relationships. So I could tell you that over the 2,500 people that are within our network just from this group, I've I've shook their hands. We've had lunch, coffee. We've met. We've worked on projects together. We've done things that are building relationships. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't even know what that person does or sells and they vice versa they might not even know what I'm doing because we're just building relationships and that's what's very important about this business uh, and, and the influence that some of these other cultures bring to the table right um, traditionally Americans they get you know if you're from here you you show up we talk business and we're done right like if we schedule lunch from 12 to 1 at 1 o'clock that person's they're out the door and they have business done and it's over with with us, you know, sometimes it's a matter of we talk for 45 minutes and then like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about a project or, oh, yeah, we got to talk about, a, you know, whatever it is, um, because we want to build that. We want to trust each other mm-hmm. because that's unfo- another piece. You know, people like me sometimes have been let down by mm-hmm. institutions, by organizations that maybe promise certain things, politicians. I mean, it's a typical story. So we get let down all the time. So now we have a trust issue Mm -hmm. and then people wonder why. So when they ask, so a lot of people come to me and say, Hey, Giovanni, how do we get into the Latino world? We run this corporation or we run this business or we have this organization that does these great things for people like you, but they don't come. So my first question is always like, well, have you built a relationship with anyone? What are you doing to engage the community? It's not just like, here's a shiny spoon. Here you go. Mm -hmm. It's let's build that. So, um, I think that's the perspective we offer that mm-hmm. is, is very unique. Um, 
and there are many many other networking groups now because they've you know sprouted in the last couple of years mm -hmm. um and and i do I, I i brag about it because there's nothing like the diversity mixer oh yeah i mean 60 70 percent of the crowd are minority business owners who probably don't get the chance to network with larger corporations or different groups mm -hmm. and it's just a mix of everything so we love it it's i love it doing it um once a month it's every, you know it, it's not consistent now since the whole pandemic thing because it's been tough. Oh wait, yeah, um, that. yeah, trying to get everyone <laughs> together. Uh, we finally had one. Uh, we kicked one off yeah, in back, December. Right? Yeah, uh, just not like? consistently okay. yet. We're working okay. on that uh, because the other thing that I always had was you know this was always a side thing that I did. Mm -hmm. I still had my day job, so like I still had to do yeah, my do my job. Well, I guess yeah, there wasn't really any Zoom. Nah, Zoom wasn't or... popular or any of that. Yeah. So, um, so yes, we're but now Zoom it's completely. <laughs> yeah, I know we're zoomed out. So. We're fatigue, Zoom fatigue, man. But uh, but yeah, but so so we're always looking for hosts. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, obviously there's a fee for it, but there's a ton of value. Uh, you know, if you're a business and you're looking for marketing, uh, this is the opportunity to do it. Uh, obviously putting your stuff out there in the magazine or in, in whatever Jason's publish, uh, publishing, but uh, there are other ways to connect, right? So I always tell people, you're probably gonna have an audience of about 100 people. Mm -hmm. Most of them most likely haven't been to your business. You access the registration and check-in list. So now you've literally purchased yourselves warm leads because you know, people pay thousands of dollars for a list of 10 hot leads or, or a list of leads um, and you're getting you're exposing the business right so so it's a great marketing opportunity for a pretty good price compared to some other marketing strategies mm -hmm. and uh, you know I'm surprised by how much people don't take advantage advantage of it mm -hmm. uh, because now I mean we're we're reaching with email and social media well over 3,000 people uh, I said earlier 2,500. That's the amount of people that have been physically yeah. at an estimate uh, in our in our events, right? Because you average about 100 per event. We've had an event every month for six years until mm -hmm. the pandemic, and then a few after. And you know, you that you do the numbers, crunch yeah. them, you'll see. Um, and I have the registrations because that's the one thing I learned early on is is take the list and 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 make sure people register and and that way you know who's coming and mm -hmm. how to engage them uh you know when i put an email out there for the for the group it's red it's like triple the amount the uh, of the average uh open rate mm. so like people are opening this stuff mm -hmm. people are reading it people are following the clicks or clicking and following links mm -hmm. uh so it's powerful and i provide resources just like you said the approach to the networking group was a little bit of a education process yeah uh, you know, I like to put stuff out there. Sometimes I'll put a, an article on something regarding small business or community. Um, so, yeah. And I don't bombard people's emails. So they'll literally get one <laughs> one or two a month. I an that, yeah. While, so yeah. it takes a while because it also creates that that what what are they up to? What are they doing? And then you put an email out and guess what everyone's going to do? They're going to open it and read it and right. read the content and use it. Um, so that's that's why we do it. Mm hmm. Um, and yeah, in May will be eight years. I'm actually working on a big project for the diversity mixers. Uh, I haven't shared this yet, so I'm going to share it on your show because oh, cool. <laughs> you've been you've been here for the ride for a long time. So I've always appreciated your support, and I love the way you've grown your your brand and your business. Yes, uh, tell us but we're that. going to have uh, something that I tried to do right before the pandemic. I had uh, something scheduled. It was a small business expo. Okay. So we had this idea of like bringing big corporations, big companies, big businesses, and introduce the procurement process on how to get them to shop and, and use local. And then we bring the small businesses and connect them and show them what the procurement process is. Hmm. So for example, if I'm you know one of these large employers and I don't want to use their names in, just because we're not they they mm -hmm. I don't want uh, they haven't given me permission. <laughs> Let's say employer A is a major employer has six thousand employees, one of the top ten employers in the in the county, right? they've confirmed and I'm not gonna say names but let's say one of the top you say three yeah I'm not not no, gonna say no, anything yeah no, but probably, yeah. there's a few major employers in our area who are very interested in this mm -hmm. they just don't understand who to go to 
right? So they're going to say, hey, I want to market in our local community. I want to advertise. Who do I talk to? Well, there's Reading Magazine. There's there's a bunch of people, mm -hmm. right, that they probably didn't know about. And if you guys get a contract like that, I'd say that's life-changing, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, 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 a local uh, clothing uh, shirt, and, and, and they, they print all kinds of stuff. I'm sure everyone will know will guess because they've also been part of this journey for almost the entire eight <laughs> years. Um, but, you know, I remember one time linking them up to a major uh, corporation out here, mm -hmm. and they needed uh, uniforms. They needed shirts for their oh, employees. Okay. Yeah. They got, like, an order for hundreds of shirts. That was life-changing. Mm -hmm. That was a life-changing contract for this business. And that's, and that's the idea of this event is to procure that process to show people how to go through the process because sometimes you have if to be a vendor for example i'm uh producing a big event for penn state burks where uh, on the dj side where we're yeah, bringing we talk about it. yeah we haven't DJ even done side. that yet i told you i had a lot that we could talk all day uh but for example like i have to be a vendor for that organization for penn state burks right or for penn mm -hmm. state just maine yeah so I have to go through a process. I had to go through an application and a ton of questions and a whole list of things. And then I become a vendor. Mm -hmm. But now guess who they go to every time they have an event, a production, or any kind of need that requires music, you know, the sound equipment or DJing or, or production. Who do they go to? The vendor mm -hmm. with one employee who it's a life those are life-changing contracts mm -hmm. you know like it's not just a mortgage payment it's like six mortgage payments mm -hmm. or whatever that may be you know for whoever's you doing still that. have to go through that process you still got to go through a process and yeah. i didn't know how to do that right. luckily right. i had people there that helped me walk they walk through it and now i've been I, I think i've signed up like 10 new vendors for penn state burks all minority owned businesses oh, and artists okay. for this specific event that's coming uh, uh april 29th it's okay. Uh, uh, breaking barriers, building bridges. Oh, so it's a yeah, great right. event. Yeah, yeah, if you remember that one, uh, we're bringing it back, and it's it's just an awesome event. It's, it's going to be a day to showcase local. It's all local talent, mm -hmm. and it features singers, dance groups, spoken word, poetry. We have our poet laureate here, and former poet laureate. So they're all going to be part of this, and it's such a diverse group of people. Um, we even have the Reading High dance team. I mean, it, it's an opportunity for people to showcase their skills mm -hmm. on a platform that maybe they've never had. Like I have a singer who's never actually done anything on a stage in front of a major audience. Right. Okay. So like that's life changing. Yeah. And that's what I'm into, man. If I can help get uh, get you there, we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And that's what the brand is all about. So the diversity mixers and red tie affairs, which is my other business, I guess we can jump into that if sure. you'd like at some point. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so red tie affairs is where it all started. That was the business I officially started. Hey, there's just so many businesses. Yeah. You've done, yeah. 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 So. <laughs> so the diversity mixer brand was just, you know, that was just something that, that came about. Um, but it, it was under the red tire affairs umbrella, which okay. many people didn't even know about until just recently when I started talking about it. Uh, cause now I focus my time hundred percent to diversity mixers, which is not only just a networking group, by the way, it's, it's the consulting services, diversity, inclusion, uh, consulting, uh, business services, like mentoring, uh, business planning, financial packaging. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, if you need access to, to X, Y, Z, or you need a resource, uh, I will be your 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 link to that or your project manager for that. Um, so I do a little bit of uh, nonprofit board training because uh, okay. I've been able to learn a ton of that and I and I still do it for some local organizations um, and and just being as involved as I was, going back to that same scenario where I just didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. What do I do to learn and figure it out? Well, that's what happened to me when I started volunteering. I was on nonprofit board many many years back in lancaster and i didn't know what i was doing i was just sitting there and i wasn't an efficient board member mm -hmm. or an effective board member i would just sit there and say yes because i saw everyone else who was older than me smarter than me at the time what i thought uh more degrees more titles yeah and i'm just like okay yes i'll do you know whatever yeah, what, you say what can you put in here yeah exactly like and it was a a respect thing as well culturally you know you don't speak up to to people that are older than you you don't interject you don't question or challenge 
Uh, but now I teach the exact opposite. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's good to have some conversation. It's good mm -hmm. to have debates. It's good to question, uh, especially in these areas where a majority of the nonprofits are serving, are serving black and brown folks, but yet there's about a 4 or 5% representation of us on their boards. Mm -hmm. I have a major problem with that, and I've been calling people out on that forever. And, and things are getting better, but we still need a lot more room. Uh, we still have a lot more room to grow. Uh, so this, uh, so I help people with that. Um, and then I help boards understand how their procedures work. Uh, sometimes they don't understand how their bylaws work. So, hmm. so it's a little bit of all of that under one umbrella. What I've done was I said, it's okay, <laughs> yeah, there's many, there's many skills and individual skills that I've been able to learn and pick up and, and get pretty good at, I would say. Uh, and now I'm offering it all under one. Like mm -hmm. I've I've been able to have a ton of experiences out there, through some through, through some negative experience as well. Right. I've learned from that. Um, I've stumbled a few times, but you know, as long as you don't keep repeating it, mm -hmm. you'll be all right. So that's kind of where, where and I'm all at. those experiences have been built to yep. each others. Really. And that's exactly it. You pass that on, especially to people that that put themselves in a situation where they're like, I don't know how to do that. Or, I don't want to learn how to do that. I mm -hmm. don't even know where to start. Well, let me show you. Let me guide you, and 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 good luck and much success to you. And that's that's the whole brand. So um, what? Yeah. What? Um, what what advice do you give to you know business owners that are just starting or you know yeah. are, are well, trying to find yeah. their way really? Yeah, you know? I, it's tough because uh, what I've noticed in the many years that I did uh, small business work uh, for an actual organization, uh, I noticed a few patterns. Mm -hmm. One is hardly anyone ever has a business plan. Like ninety-eight percent of the clients I've had, and I've had hundreds no one ever had a solid business plan it's always been something it's either they have now nothing at all business plan you're, yeah you're talking the like the, the actual the idea actual... on paper okay. like what yeah. are you trying to accomplish because if you're able to translate what you're trying to do in here on a piece of paper then you have a clear vision mm -hmm. and then your mission becomes let me accomplish these goals let me accomplish what i have in on, on this paper mm -hmm. uh because when you're an entrepreneur as you know you have to put on many hats Yes. <laughs> Many hats that you never knew you would have to wear. Yes. And then you also have to find revenue streams, right? So if you see an opportunity here, you're going to jump that way. But then your mission was leading you this way. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it's it just that's just the nature of the beast, right? Yeah. So I think organizing your thoughts, organizing yourself. Um, and this is so coming from someone who's not a good person to organize you know, I struggle with that myself. You know, I, I have I follow a, a regimen of of rules that I have to put down like, OK, if I want to do this, let's let's write this down. Let's put it on paper. Let's put okay. the concept on paper. Let's understand what it is and let's look at the outcomes that could happen. Let's look at the negative outcomes that could happen and analyze. A lot of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. What I notice is people will say, oh, Jason, you make a great pizza. OK, now you're going to open a pizza shop. Yeah, that's that's exactly how people open their businesses. <laughs> yeah, I've seen many a huge majority. But then a year or two later, oh, that pizza shop was so great, but they shut down. Well, then I find out Jason had no accounting experience, mm -hmm. you know, didn't have proper insurance, uh, got himself into a major loan to renovate a building that doesn't belong to him. And now he's got to pay it. Uh, these are all real issues. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. majority of the clients I've had have gone through this. They're expanding into, yeah. you know, more than they can, yep. you know, yep. take they on. Yep, they yeah. chew on more than they can eat. So, uh, you know, they, they just it's, just, it's just a cycle that happens. And it's and it's a common thing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so it's trying to just help people understand, like, put yourself on plan. paper. Yeah, plan, plan it, it out. And, and having a strategy. Plan it out. Have a strategy. Yeah. Give yourself a marketing budget. Marketing is more important than people think. Yes. <laughs> and use resources like Reading Magazine and Hug Media to, to use that to expose your business. You need people in your doors. You need people using your service. You need people buying your product. Mm -hmm. You got to put it out there. You can't just open shop and say, okay, let's wait for people to come in. Yeah. No, doesn't work that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how many people run their business. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I think it's important to run a real business plan, uh, budget for it, uh, save for it, and have money to go to. Like, have enough money to survive for, you know, a year. 
without having to without having to to get loans or or have to access money that doesn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. Like you got to put some skin in the game. So like put some reserves, build that up, and then get into it. Don't just jump into something. Use local resources. We have the SBDC. We have local resources that help. Uh, Penn State has. Uh, a great uh, group over there with a launch box. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of great organizations. We have SCORE. We have many. If you don't want to pay for services for a consultant like myself or someone else, mm-hmm. that, that are there are others out there. I get it. There's sometimes there's just not a budget for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not for everyone, just like you're not for everyone, mm-hmm. right? But use those resources. Build a plan. Get it out there. Uh, you know, iron it out. So that's what I would say to businesses. Just plan your ideas. <laughs> Don't just jump into something because you make a great pizza or, or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't need any more barbershops and pizza shops. <laughs> I'm just saying that as a joke because it's like the ma- one of the major uh, groups of, of businesses that we see with minority entrepreneurs is barbershops, oh, okay. uh, restaurants. And uh, grocery stores. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we don't need any more <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I, that's what I would offer to, to people out there so who what, are trying to open a business. What's the future look like? What, what do you um, have in the, in the works? Dude, there's so much out there right now. You know, I, I'm yeah, you already 100%, talk, talked about your expo yeah, coming up. Yeah, 100% on my own. So, it's you know, now it's a little different. Like, uh, something was telling me for a while. Like, yeah, how was that? Being, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, you mentioned that uh, when I saw you. Yeah, a yeah. While we ago. talked about it a few times yeah. already. Uh, you know, it's hard because I was used to the steady paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing like having insurance and steady paycheck, and it's predictable. Right. It's mm-hmm. very predictable versus, mm-hmm. you know, you could see through two or three weeks and you don't have a dollar coming in. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden things come in from other projects you've worked on. It is a roller coaster. Uh, it is a roller coaster. <laughs> so you have yeah, to learn yeah. how to uh, be uh, very disciplined financially um, and mentally because mm-hmm. you got to know, like, there's going to be ups and downs. Many entrepreneurs know this. Um, but, yeah, if you don't work, you don't eat. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it comes down to. So it's been an interesting ride, but something was telling me that I, it was time. Okay. Uh, the DJ business has grown enough where I now have someone helping me. Yeah, how do you determine that? Yeah, it, it's when it's time <laughs> to to do that. Exactly. I mean, I, I would yeah, say it's a, a lot of either yeah. if you're an entrepreneur or even someone who's still working part yeah. time or something like that. It's hard, and, man. And what's your yeah. uh, perspective on that? You know, like things. I I was just ready. I I, I just. You know, it's not that I hate working for someone because mm-hmm. I do hear that a lot. That's like the most oh, okay. common thing I hear with entrepreneurs. Like I hate working for someone or I hate someone telling me what to do. That's not what it is. I don't hate people telling me what to do or, mm-hmm. or, or you know, being in a work environment. I just wanted a little more freedom, a little more creativity, freedom, an opportunity to, to, to do things how I've experienced them and maybe try it this way. Because uh, sometimes in the corporate environment, it's like standard procedure, right? Standard operating procedures. This is what mm. you do. You go one, two, three. You can't go one, two, ten. It's one, two, three, and you follow the line, and this is how you do it. And if you pro- provide some new ideas or a different perspective or a young perspective or a perspective from different cultures, mm-hmm. sometimes people don't accept it or they don't want to try it because they're comfortable where they're at. Right. So that can get very uh, uh, taxing on people that are that have their creative creativity going and moving. Um, so, you know, for me, it was a mixture of all of that. Um, you know, the pandemic was a, a huge blessing for me. Okay. I know it's kind of crazy, and, and it was unfortunate for many people. I've lost many people. I've lost four loved ones to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've experienced a ton of loss uh, in our family, and, and, and unfortunately, you know, there's that side of it. But the other side was it pulled my brakes completely. Mm. I was spreading myself out too thin. I was working my job, running the business on like eight. No, I was like nine nonprofit boards. Oh, wow. Uh, I was <laughs> coaching because I coach youth sports. Um, you know, I was out there way too much. And the one thing I didn't focus on was my family okay. and, and my children. You know, I'm out there coaching all these kids and being a mentor to them and talking about how they need someone in their life. I'm here for them. But yet my own children were like there and I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. 
So that was a huge uh, wake-up call for me. And that's why I say it was a blessing. I got to spend some time with my family, uh, everyone. And I got to have a new appreciation and understanding for what family and unity is like. Um, so I also wanted to have the freedom. And, the, and like you told me today, hey, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. I don't have anything. I'm, I'm not. I don't have anything that that I have to be at. You know, my nine to five or an eight to five or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Ten o'clock. That's my appointment, and then I build my day from there. And if I want to stop and take a two hour lunch break and build a great relationship with someone for lunch or, or yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> I don't have anyone coming down my throat and saying, "Hey, why are you not doing this?" or "Why are you taking an hour longer?" Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is every little day things. Looks different. Yeah, every yeah. day is a little different for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, there are some days where I love it. Like, let's say I, I one day I have uh, a lot of contracts that I booked for the DJ side. So yesterday was one of those. I, I was okay. excited. I booked a, a few contracts, corporate gig. Uh, so that's great. We don't get paid right now, but <laughs> at least they're booked. I sent out the contracts and we're ready to roll. So like today, today I'm going to take it a little easier, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to grab some lunch with a, with a former colleague, mm -hmm. you know, and take it easy. And then tomorrow we go back to the grind and we keep going and, and follow up and build those relationships and those opportunities. So, yeah, I like that freedom. Mm -hmm. I also like it where my kid, you know, my uh, one of them had a dentist appointment. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to worry about that or like yeah. my 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 family my father is going through some health issues uh, You know, we have to go to the doctor two or three times a week mm -hmm. um, You know, I'm there. I'm able to take him I'm able to have that flexibility where mm -hmm. I don't have to ask for special permission or family medical leave uh, You know, I can take the time right and you can build your schedule around exactly Yeah, and then so like, you know, he's got an hour chemo appointment or two three-hour appointment That's what they end up being mm -hmm. I'll, sit, I'll hang with him or I'll drop him off and then I'll do some work and then whatever I don't do, I can get to at night. Or like at, I'm a late, I'm a, I always stay up late. I'm not a morning person. So like <laughs> last night at midnight, I sent my last contract out. Okay. But that's my time, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, I was able to do that. By the way, I was also playing video games. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the other freedom, right? Like I'm sitting there, I have a nice setup. I got three screens at my desk, right? My laptop, my workstation, and then a video game screen. So I'm sitting there playing video games, and then in between <laughs> matches or whatever I'm doing, okay, let's pump away this contract. And that's I love that. I didn't know what you were gonna say, but I didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love video games, man. That's one thing. I, when the pandemic started, so I used to play video games with, like back in the day. I loved it. It was fun. It was just a great way to escape the what, world. What kind of games? What so I, I'm a big uh, Call of Duty Warzone is my okay. favorite. I, that's the game I go to. I, I, I I'm unfortunately. Uh, way too much. Uh, <laughs> not as much as it used to be because during the pandemic, we had nothing to do. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Like my, my two sons and I would literally team up and play together. It was the most fun we've ever had. Um, obviously, things are a little more back to normal. So it's harder because now I got to actually, yeah, you know, yeah. we got to do some work, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's, that's the freedom of uh, entrepreneurship that I love and enjoy. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man. So, yeah. And, wow. and I also have this little thing called Red Tie Affairs. So DJ, entertainment, production, event planning. Mm -hmm. uh, we do all that as well. So, yeah. Any corporate gigs out there, we, we got it covered. We offer DJ, photo booth, bilingual, bicultural, uh, working on some other uh, things to offer. Mm -hmm. I can't reveal those yet, but maybe I'll have to reveal it with you and I'll tell your audience uh, what we have. <laughs> we have some really cool things coming that... that are not being done in this area that as far as entertainment and uh just things to add on to your events mm -hmm. so yeah wow pretty cool stuff that's a lot You're <laughs> i know man i'm telling you that we you, can you've done a lot, we can know? go on all day about this we could talk all day long but uh From, yeah you know, barbershop to, yeah yeah you know, uh, yeah. Financial, you know yeah finance yep. i know uh you know and then yeah back into with no college stuff. degree by the way right. this is the yeah. big thing that i you know i need to i do have an associate now in business uh, that I got as an adult uh, while I was managing uh, Wells, uh, Wells Fargo, one of the banks that I've worked at. Mm -hmm. um, I actually started it. I was going part-time. And at that time, it was, you know, uh, my son's 14 now. Um, he was about three, maybe about four years old. And I was going to school as well as uh, management team at a bank. And that was tough, dude. Like, that was very hard. But I did it as an adult. Yeah, it must be uh, different 
They, I mean, oh my god yeah. if anyone's out there listening if they take anything out of this like get your schooling and get all that stuff done before you have a family mm-hmm. and children and other priorities like it was very difficult mm-hmm. like i remember uh, i would take uh two or three classes per semester to try and get it out of the way but it, it became too much and i remember one day on a sunday because sunday was my homework day because i had to work 60 hours a week right um I was working all day long, tons of homework, tons of stuff, and my kid was making noise. He was probably like four years old, if that, I don't know. He was just barely talking, and uh, and he was running around making noise, and I was so used to it that it was just like normal. He would jump on my back. He would just do whatever, and the poor guy was just trying to get my attention, mm-hmm. and I didn't see it at the time. So I turned around, and he, you know, he kept talking and interrupting, and I was working, and, and it came to a point where I, like, lashed out on him. I'm like, stop it. I'm working. Leave me alone. And he looked at me. He goes, Daddy, you never play with me anymore. And that's when I literally came to, I was with my laptop and books all over the coffee table. I closed it. I put all the books and threw them to the side. Mm. And it was literally the first week of that particular semester or, no, maybe second week, whatever it was, where wherever the deadline is that they don't give you your money back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. And they're like, you yeah. sure you don't? You're not gonna get your money back. I don't care. So I stopped for a little while, mm. um, and then I was fortunate enough. I got laid off of a job, and then I focused right on it. Did my classes and was able to get my associate. As I was, I think I was about 29, maybe. Okay. I was almost 30, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, dude, that it was tough. Yeah. But my two kids, who were now a little older, at the time, uh, I think one was maybe like nine and the other was maybe like six or seven um they watched me walk down and do uh, and graduate from with my associates so i was hoping you know that was i hope some kind of motivation or inspiration Mm -hmm. for them uh but yeah it's not easy yeah so uh yeah get it out there and and you know work hard you'll get there you just gotta you, you gotta do you gotta be willing to do a lot more than the person next to you behind you in front of you and that's what it comes down to so you got to be willing to do a lot more than anyone else. <laughs> that's why the elite athletes are where they're at. I'd use a lot of sports references because yeah, I true, yeah. play sports and, and I coach. They're the ones that put in the hard work. They're the first ones in, last one out. Mm-hmm. And they're doing things behind the scenes that nobody knows. And they're working on working. their craft. Yeah. Yep. When so you don't see it. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So that's just, uh, I hope that's a gem for people out there listening. So. Yeah, Giovanni, thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, no, I loved it. Thank you for having me. Uh, I hope uh, I was able to provide some uh, some good stuff for your audience. Oh, and, definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah, if anybody ever needs anything, reach out. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, that's right. How can they reach out just to you? Just go to, uh, we have our website, redtieaffairs.com, uh, or just uh, email Bedoya at gmail, uh, J-O-B-A-N-Y dot B-E-D-O-Y-A at gmail. So I don't know. Diversity mixers. Yep, they... that just contact me through there. Okay, I have I have one communication channel oh, for okay. that, and then everything else kind of like goes in its bucket. So sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I keep track of everything. Right, <laughs> there's just so much going on, but but I love it. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, and right. uh, thank you for joining us today for another Reading Magazine live podcast, and uh, also thank you to our sponsors, uh, which are Kids Peace. Uh, foster care and community programs, the Kutztown Folk Festival, and the uh, and Ken Millman. Uh, he's a personal injury lawyer here in Wyomissing. Thank you for joining us.